0: hello and welcome to episode 71 of the movie brats podcast i am carter and joining me As always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan?
1: I'm doing great, and we're going to talk about two films that are about, how should we put it deftly? Films about women and surviving and dealing with trauma. Yes, in In a sometimes violent patriarchal society. Right. Um, The first of
0: these uh, is She Said, directed by Maria Schrader who is a German uh, actor-director who also did Love, Life, and I'm Your Man. I'm pretty unfamiliar with most of her work, to be honest. Uh, Starring Zoe Kazan and Carey Mulligan as two New York Times reporters who investigate claims of sexual misconduct in Hollywood and uncover and expose Harvey Weinstein's history of sexual harassment and rape. It originally premiered, october 13th at the new york film festival a u.s wide release of on sorry november 18th a metacritic score of 74 a rod tomato score of 87 and it has just been nominated uh at the golden globes for carrie mulligan for a supporting actress um so out
1: that's kind of strange because she's the number one build in the film even though alphabetically zoe kazan would come first like why is she supporting that she's absolutely a lead in the film no that's one of those sort of bizarre um categorizations
0: that we've seen in the last few years it seems like it's gotten murkier and murkier um there was one, I think it was last year or two years ago, for this one of supporting categories
1: that I thought was outrageous. Well, like, um, <laughs> Viola Davis and Fences, one supporting actress. Like, I mean, like, there's no, like, like, if you were, like, tasked with listing the cast in the order, it's like she's... And Fences? She'd be, like, number one. <laughs> well, no, no I, I mean, definitely with, she said, it's... Denzel. She, she and uh, Zoe Kazan are like tied as like is the number one. They're the leads of the film. You
0: no, know, they are the leads of the films, and 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 Carey Mulligan definitely sexism, more recognizable of them, um, possibly. Uh, but it's going into it, it was hard not to think about this movie in relation to Spotlight, uh, which came out uh, seven years ago, I think now, and also all the President's Men are sort of what I think of as the quintessential journalistic uh, investigative journalism. Uh, sort of dramas. Uh, and
1: there's one that's even more recent that's not as well known, but there was a fantastic Romanian documentary that premiered at a film festival in 2019 and got released streaming in 2020 called Collective mm-hmm. that was nominated for best uh, documentary at the Oscars, which is just an incredible film documentary uh, that's also about a, uh, it's about a, not the New York times is a small paper, but it's that one's about a small newspaper that was kind of like a sports magazine and yeah. uh, a newspaper that uncovered this scandal. And it's such a rich film. So uh, yeah, one of my big things about she said is that I think it's a good, solid, engrossing drama with good performances, but it pales in comparison with the best of the genre. Oh, I yes.
0: That's sort of exactly what my feel on it was. And, Um, Of comparisons with Spotlight and All the the President's Men, I guess it's in a sort of middle ground because it has in common with Spotlight the uh, sort of sexual nature of the crimes that it's exposing. But more like uh, All the President's Men in that it was much more contemporary to the subject matter than Spotlight was, which I think was said about 15 years before. This one is about... What's an ongoing trial, basically, of Harvey Weinstein in L.A. or in California? There had already been the trial in New York, but he has one that's—is it still ongoing in California? At least
1: was when I saw the well, movie. There are legal proceedings that are still going on. It's also so recent that there are. Ashley Judd plays herself in the yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that uh, there's almost Sometimes I think there's a question of whether something is too soon like I, yeah. I, I remember some people criticizing for various reasons uh, but when uh, Oliver Stone had his film W come out like while Bush was like still in the White House I think it was like right at the end of his time as president it's like are we not far enough away from this but I don't think that that's nece- I think that can be true sometimes but I think it was definitely true of
0: W I don't think it's necessarily as true
1: about this one Right. Um, I I think that um it's a, a, the, the best part W, I I think we should be saying. Uh <laughs> I actually think that's a quite interesting movie though. It's it's uh but yeah. but well, that's not the movie we are Yeah, we'll review that another time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll do our top 5 Oliver Stone movies sometimes. But she said I think the best parts of the movie are just individual scenes like I mentioned in the previous episode how much I like Samantha Morton. She has a great scene in the film there's all these actresses that uh, maybe have like one scene in the movie, but they're so good. And Jennifer right? A- I don't know how to pronounce who her. Who was in uh, Zero Dark Thirty and uh, uh, many other movies you, you'll probably recognize. The British
0: her. TV miniseries of Pride and Prejudice from the 90s. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> what and I think,
1: she's, she's Lizzie Bennet. <laughs> she's in the horror movie Saint Maud from a few years ago. But um, it's, yeah, they're just... It, it it someone pointed this out in an interview with the director that this is a movie that could there's so much story there that it could be like an eight, ten-part miniseries, but it 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 works, I think, good as a just over two-hour movie. It's it's uh pretty brisk and it gets the job done, like the reporters, it gets the job done. And I think that this subject matter is so unpleasant and heavy and just infuriated the the movie's infuriating too that Mm -hmm. i think stretching it out to an eight hour miniseries would just be a little bit overwhelming and 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 i think that it uh works well as a one film it doesn't need to be an eight hour miniseries i think what was for me by far the best scene was opening scene of the movie
0: where it's in uh Somewhat rural Ireland, I think probably a little bit outside of Dublin, but it's like a girl who's just sort of walking through the country and walks on to what seems like just a historical event happening before her. They're like British troops landing on a beach and then you discover that it's a film set and there's all like these people. It. Yeah,
1: places.
0: it's like, yeah, you're like getting a glimpse into another world. And I think it was so effective for just sort of showing what it would be like to be a novice and not have any sort of awareness of what the film industry is like. And then you suddenly are exposed to it and everything seems so different and magical that you could see how easy it would be for Harvey Weinstein to just be like, Oh, this is just big business. This is what it's like. And they're like, I have no idea. Everything, everything I've seen so far is just like so eye-opening and different and like wondrous. And the way that she just sort of stumbles onto it, it like really puts you into this, Uh, sort of perspective that I never really thought about because it's not like I've like wandered onto a film set but just uh, I don't know I thought it did an incredibly effective job of just establishing how different it would feel for someone to not be in the film industry and just all of a sudden you're in it and you know you have no bearings and people can really take advantage of you and that scene ends with I think her like running barefoot through Dublin like crying and I was like wow that was a really really good opening scene
1: yeah, it captures the allure and magic and the power that movies have, cinema has, and the people who make them. But then you get this, you know, crash to her running, yeah. and it's like you understand. But no, but you know, people have jobs, and these are real humans. You know, yeah, they be they're making fantasy and they're making fiction, but yeah, but they're real people, yeah, right? Yeah. And and just because you know. There's this, I mean, I don't think many people think this, but people may think that, oh, you know, these, they even talk about in the movie a little bit about how, you know, is what happened to these starlets, these movie stars, these actresses as serious as, you know, exposing sexual harassment and assault in you know, factory jobs. But, you know, one of the things I think that the Me Too movement did in the stories the Harvey Weinstein story that these reporters uncovered is that by exposing Harvey Weinstein and what he did to these very famous actresses, it was like a megaphone, a pulpit. It was, it was a, a way for the story to get out there. And it started a movement that helped get more exposure to, people that don't have a massive following that don't have the uh, the ability to speak out and, and that perhaps by, yes, these are giant movie stars. I mean, anyone being sexually assaulted or or raped, you know, that's horrible, but you know, it, it helped that these people had such a platform and they were so world renowned and well-known it helped, it helped, you know, start the me too movement.
0: Well, that was a good thing about this movie is showing the, women who don't have that platform there's a couple women whose like lives are just ruined um, basically by Harvey Weinstein doing something awful to them and then sort of and, no one not even necessarily not believing them but just not defending them or taking their side because if they do their careers might be over and,
1: and they're in the movie business but they're like behind yeah. the scenes they may be assistants or, yeah.
0: they, or a caterer like anybody or you know uh, someone who works for uh, Miramax in a different you know, city that, terms, yeah, exactly, marketing or something like that, and just how this guy had so much sort of unchecked power, and just people just sort of bowed down to him in a way that you don't see in a whole lot of industries. That it's just like the whole movie industry just became just so corrupted by by this guy's, and he's not the only one doing it. But um it was a real one of the more effective scenes of Blonde has a situation sort of like that where you need to you know, do something for someone in power to, you know, progress in the industry. Um, right. But it was just, I, like you said, uh, it wasn't like the best journalist investigative reporter maybe I've ever seen, but it was effective and, uh, you know, tells a story that is worth telling and, um, and shares a side of it that uh, maybe most people wouldn't have understood uh, even reading the New York Times article because it's just words. It doesn't like give you the woman's reaction when she's talking about it, and that's like what you said—the sort of times where they just drop in a really talented actress for one scene to just sort of um, dominate the ten minutes that they're in. I thought it was used very effectively, but. But ultimately it, it did not quite reach the heights of, of all the presidents men or, or spotlight, which which I really like and won best picture. So I don't I don't expect
1: this to to repeat that and win best picture yeah. this year. I don't even I mean I don't know how much box office, you know, affects the Oscar voters. I mean, there's been like some of the the least uh the lowest grossing best picture winners have like all been from the last 10 years. Yeah, it's Moonlight, um, stuff like that. And Moonlight and the Hurt Locker and uh, Nomadland, obviously, encoded because <laughs> of the pandemic. But, uh, but I think that with uh, this film, it really did bad at the box office. And this was dark, and the guy actually apologized for it. But he said, "You know who would have been able to promote this movie and get a lot of people to see it? Harvey Weinstein." Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of a, it's like it's in a weird, weird way, kind of like a perfect movie for the Weinstein Company to have. Oh no, it's exactly the kind of movie they would have made in the nineties yeah. that that would have gotten tons of nominations
0: because he was so good at manipulating the industry basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the nefarious thing is that like, he, you know, it's all, you know, much, much worse what he did, you know, sexually assaulting, raping women, harassing them. But he also messed with directors a lot, just like creatively. He like, you know, he didn't, you know, he would say you need to cut this and he wouldn't allow directors cut sometimes. And the fact that, like we were talking about in the previous episode of Shakespeare in Love won Best Picture over Saving Private Ryan. It's a joke as much as Save, you know, Shakespeare in Love might be a delightful film to some people. But uh, I think that, uh, it, you know, he, the good thing about him, though, is that he did get a lot of interesting films, much wider distribution and uh, in more theaters than uh, there would have been without. Like he did get a lot of interesting films out there, but that pales in comparison with the the monster that he was.
0: Oh yeah, and it's it's weird sort of seeing old movies and seeing the Miramax logo because you know so many movies. I mean, basically every Quentin Tarantino movie up to a certain point was Miramax. Um, right.
1: It's like seeing. Oh, that, it's like seeing old people named adolf like,
0: <laughs> yeah it's just like it leaves you with a sort of a weird feeling um right. but really solid acting performances from the, the two lead actresses and that was also something i thought was interesting um there's a part where it deals with carrie mulligan's characters postpartum depression um right. which was not something i'd really seen too many times in a movie before so it did offer an interesting insight into you know the daily lives and struggles of Of working women um
1: I was going to mention that that it's a film that you know it's like you don't see uh Woodward and you know you know from all the presidents when you don't see a diaper you know you know having to deal with their children even though uh you know I don't know did they have children back there but uh one of them was married to Nora Ephron wasn't yeah I
0: think that was after though that's uh Bernstein
1: Right. But um, anyway, yeah, I I will say there's a, uh, interesting connections. Um, it, it would be interesting double feature of Promising Young Woman. And she said very different movies, both with Carrie Mulligan and then very and also very different. Uh, but I did. It did pop in my head the fact that uh, Zoe Kazan's grandfather was a very famous controversial filmmaker who, you know, whose reputation has certainly been. Uh, complicated because her grandfather is Eli Kazan. Mm-hmm. You know, very different controversy. You know, it's you know, naming names is bad, but it wasn't you know, raping women and, and multiple <laughs> women. But it's it's still an interesting that you know that someone involved with this film has you know a family history of someone who's very controversial. Like I said, within
0: I'm, the movie industry, yeah,
1: right, very different situations. But um, yeah, so yeah, I it. it it's I think t- it's
0: worth saying. I would recommend it to most people.
1: Um, well, No, Well, someone said the snarky on uh, Twitter about, they said something along. It's like, uh, I'm shocked that my 65 year old uncle in Iowa is not rushing out to see the film about Harvey Weinstein being exposed by the New York times report. It's like, this is kind no, of a neat movie. Maybe it <laughs> like, is.
0: It, yeah. But I think it presents itself in enough of a, you know, sort of movie way. It's not like experimental um it has yeah. an arc so i think it's. i think if if people sat down and watched it i don't think
1: most people would be like oh this sucks like, i think like, that one of the biggest problems uh, uh, not the like a critic criticism of it but i think one reason it's done so poorly at the box office i think a lot of people are just like i don't want to hear this story Like, this is depressing yeah.
0: yes 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 it's yeah. difficult subject matter it's and it's also one of the things about making a movie so close to when the story broke is i i think a lot of people feel like they are they already know this story like they don't need to see a movie right. about it
1: right uh, and i it, it doesn't have quite the emotion you know the real story does but the film does not have quite the emotional impact of spotlight to I me mean, spotlight is just so impactful and and it shows you yeah well the the ending of that where
0: it, it comes up with all the names of the cities were like further uh, investigations happen that expose stuff it was just one of those sort of final like um uh black Landsman, where it's like the final image or final series of images kind of brings the whole thing together and is a gun punch gut punch kind of thing that i don't think this movie had and it was also it was so because spotlight ends not the very end of the movie but this sort of dissemination of the article is very traditional with the uh, newspaper being printed in the morning and it going on the cars and you know disseminating into the world like this information is spreading. This one, is, you know, they just press like enter and it's just much less cinematic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the you know because of the time it came out in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do think that. Uh, I I do think also that Spotlight is just a more rich and compelling film about the power of journalism. You know, yeah. getting. I've done. And she said, does it too, but I feel like she said, is more specific and focused on telling this story. Whereas I feel like Spotlight is almost was
0: about journalism.
1: Yeah. And it, I mean, yeah. it, the story itself is very compelling and detailed, but it's like, it's just on it's sort of like Moneyball, where it puts you into an industry uh, that you, you aren't an
0: expert in, makes you feel like, you know, you're like took a bath in a newspaper and yeah, all of a yeah.
1: sudden you're bleeding exactly. ink. <laughs> I felt so um, respectful and in awe of what like really good journalists do after seeing Spotlight, and I do to a lesser extent. And she said, and I I I more feel like, uh, like I was just told in a solid way this story. Like it, it yeah. made me respect the journalists, but Spotlight was just like so much more. So I, I felt like it, it made me really. I was just like in awe of you know, journalism in general, but, uh, yeah. So she said solid, uh, but solid, but not spectacular.
0: Um, our second, uh, this double feature of basically crimes against women movies, um, is women talking directed by Sarah Polly, uh, who has previously directed take this waltz and stories we tell, uh, the documentary from about 10 years ago. That was really, really sensational um starring rooney mara claire foy jesse buckley ben wishall and a whole bunch of other actresses in a uh, almost like exclusively female movie except for ben wishall um it is about a group of women in 2010 in an isolated Mennonite community who grapple with uh, the discovery that the men of their community have been drugging and raping the community's women at night for years uh The women must decide whether to stay in the community that they know, uh, but they also know is violent towards them, or to leave and uh, face an uncertain future where they really are not prepared for modern life uh, because of the environment they grow up in. Um, Premiered September 2nd at the Telluride Film Festival and has been in select and limited theaters, but will open nationwide and it's wide release december 23rd a metacritic score of 81 and a rotten tomato score of 91 it has been nominated at the golden globes for best screenplay for sarah poly and best original score um it's also gotten a load of independent spirit award nominations and i expected why at least get a few uh academy award nominations because it won best ensemble for the national board of review and made their top 10 films list um i saw this about a month ago did when did you see this jonathan
1: i saw it about two months ago at the new york film festival with sarah polly and uh most of the cast there oh, wow. uh, and one thing that I w- was really shocking about this movie, watching it with a big audience, is how funny it can be. Yes, like, there's laughs in <laughs> it.
0: Like, there like were the, big, big laughs throughout the, the theater when yeah, I saw it.
1: It seems like the number one film ever made from the plot description that there would be the most somber, serious. Yeah. like like that you can't imagine there's any laugh. Or we're not saying it's a laugh riot, but it's no.
0: But it's sort of like how Manchester by the Sea was like low key, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like one of those depressing movies also but yeah. women talking is in a weird way it's like uh, it's a courtroom drama yes it, it, did you think of it as like it, it, the whole definitely and you have the sort of different
0: sides presenting different cases and uh but it was just it's one of those ones like we mentioned we reviewed benediction earlier in the year And that was a movie where just like the performances were just outstandingly good. This is one of those where it seems like every actor who's in it's just like at the top of their game. Basically, I was most impressed by uh, Jesse Buckley and Claire Foy. um, But some of the younger actors, uh, actresses who I was not really familiar with were also really impressive. And the two older actresses, Judith Ivey and uh friend well francis McDormand. i I thought she was going to be in more of it but also sheila mccarthy um it's just the whole ensemble was incredible and i can i can really see why the national border review gave it uh the best ensemble it's one of those ones where you wish that the academy awards had that um it'd be an interesting category for them for them to introduce i know they have it at the screen actors guild awards right that's like their big award is ensemble they
1: don't have a really a best picture yeah so it's like, yeah, I think that that uh, the uh, Claire Foy has a scene that's like this is going to be the Oscar clip. If, yeah, <laughs> where she goes, she just basically for like three minutes says that like she'll like, you know, she, she is happy to go to the pits of hell to fight. Uh, you know, against the men that did this to her and her, you know, if they if they ever did this to the, her, her child and it's just like one of those fist pumps, you're like, yeah <laughs> it's so like compelling. She's just like breathing fire as it's called. It's and, like and watching an actress is like transform and she's just like still and just talking and, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it shows I mean, I think that it, it, it's the title of the film, Women Talking it's a film about physical, horrible violence, but it's what the women do is they sit and intelligently talk and they, they have intellect and they talk with each other about what they're going to do in, Mm -hmm. in, in a response to this horrible act of physical violence. And they use their, their love and their compassion and yes, their anger, but and they and it's certainly you know their religion they use uh, you know but they use their language their you know they talk about what they're going to do and it's such a it's such a moving film. Um, I think there's a little bit of an emotional distance I felt from the film. I think one of the problems is that the film, I think the filmmakers wanted to shoot it in black and white, and it mm-hmm. has this saturated color that makes it kind of like look a little bit wonky. Uh, it, it kind of looks like it. It's like it's almost in black and white. Uh, what almost of-
0: misleads you because um, it almost feels like it's not in this century. You feel like it's this is happening in like the eighteen hundreds or something at some point. It's almost
1: so. like the Shyamalan film, The Village. Like, oh, yes. this is, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's like a hundred years ago, but no, it's hundred fifty years ago. No, it's it's set very recently. Yeah, uh, and it's it is based on a novel. It's not a based on a true story correct it's i know it's based on a novel but it is
0: definitely based on a novel but i I was my impression that there was like an inkling of a idea based in reality to some extent basically just about sort of the sexual violence on women of a community and the you know sort of generations of um you know not teaching them how to read or write and stuff like that basically left them incapable of almost like uh existing in the modern world without men which is like essentially what the big argument is about because you know you just think like oh these men are like raping you of course you're gonna leave but you know the women have not been educated in any way at all so and they haven't even left the community so they essentially have no idea of, of what the the rest of the world is like um which is not you know a community most people necessarily think about but those communities do exist um in the united states um it it seemed
1: to me very Terrence Malick influenced. Um, did you get a sense of that? Ironically, for a film that's so dialogue driven, yeah. uh, But visually, it's I mean, I think it's hard not to think of like Days of Heaven or um, yeah. The the kind of when they are outside, there's this kind of. But I don't think it has the quite the the visual. No, but I
0: th- also the sort of like discussions of grace and stuff like that that are very much the focus of Tree of Life.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: they both felt like very. Uh, Christian movies, but also very sort of intellectually Christian movies. Um, you know,
1: it's 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 not like you know, Left Behind or something like that. Um because right. these are very, <laughs> I mean, as devout as anyone in this country. They is. have no
0: way of conceiving the world outside of a Christian frame, basically. Yeah
1: and i like that the film had i mean the, the, one of the big i mean basically the debate with them what they're arguing about what they're trying to decide is whether they're going to leave the community or they're going to stay and are they going to forgive even forgive the yeah band. yeah that's the big debate and um yeah it's it it it's something that could be a play but it's really compelling a cinema it's it it has such good performances and it's funny i was listening to ryan johnson very different movie but glass onion he was saying that and i've heard directors say this before that it's not the giant car chases necessarily uh that are the hardest to film it's filming scenes where you have like eight or more people on screen how you visually put people on screen and how you edit it yeah, and yeah. um uh from what i i think that you know within the last for the last many years there have been almost always one woman nominated for best director and uh one foreign language film and i think that most people are predicting that if a woman's going to get nominated for best director that sarah paulie probably the number one most likely um, yeah
0: I, w- I mean i would think so uh sh- she was nominated for screenplay at the golden globes and um, right sort of as we've been as we have been talking about this I've it started to come to the Forefront just what a brilliant brilliant screenplay it really is and um how I I guess the performances are so good it all feels so natural that I didn't necessarily think about it you know as a screenplay one um,
1: of those the performances are so good that afterwards you think oh this was really well written but while you're watching it it's just this is really yeah awesome.
0: yeah basically I think that's how I'm sort of coming to understand it, um, and it's sure. one of those ones like we mentioned for uh, she said how it's sort of weird that um Carrie Mulligan is the supporting actress. It seems like it's this is one of those movies where basically everyone is a supporting actress. Um, I I think if there was a lead, you might say it's it'd be Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, or Jesse Buckley, but um, it doesn't necessarily privilege one performance or one character over anything else so
1: um it's going to
0: be interesting to see if this does get any acting nominations because it might be one of the ones where like everyone is so good it doesn't really allow one person to necessarily
1: uh vote between three yeah
0: basically unless it's going to be like rooney mara or sorry claire foy jesse buckley and like judith ivy all nominated uh I could see Ben Wishaw for supporting actor. We haven't really mentioned him. He's sort of the one male presence in the movie because he's acting as something of a scribe. And he's a character who has lived outside of the community and whose mother, it's never explicitly explicitly stated, but um, it seems like she sort of had a a reevaluation of it and decided to leave. And he's since come back after. Uh, she's died Um, and I thought he was he gave a really uh, extraordinary performance Um, I
1: I don't want to read into this too much but I do think it's interesting casting having not the character but a gay actor play the basically the one male that's featured in the film mm -hmm. there's almost like this idea that you know, he it's like you, you trust him like they, they trust him. <laughs> He's I mean, like not, the most I, feminine of them in there. <laughs> and I, I do think that uh, the, I just wanted to give a little background on Sarah Pauli. She uh, has been an yeah. act for many years, start, started as a child actress. She was in Terry Gilliam's The Adventures of Meryl and She had a book come out recently where she talked about how dangerous and not very nice it was filming that movie. And she's had some exchanges with Terry Gilliam since then, kind of saying, "Can you know? I just want you to know that I was kind of traumatized making this movie." Uh, she was in the Suite Hereafter. She was in um, a number of Adam other Adam Magoian films. Think Go is the only thing I've seen her in. She's in uh, really. You haven't seen it. Yeah, yet? she's in the <laughs> I think it honestly might be. <laughs> she's in. The, she's in a lot of good movies. She's in the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which is not. Uh, which is really good. Um, she was in a. Um, one of the last movies she acted in, this is random, but she's in a movie called Splice, which is one of the rare films to get an F cinema score, but it's actually really good, like little sci-fi horror movie with Adrienne Brody. I think that's actually one of the last films she's acted in. Her second but, to last one, yeah. Right. But uh, but her this is her fourth film, and it's been like a decade almost, or it has been a decade since her previous film. But take uh but uh Stories We Tell is an incredible film. I didn't know going into it. And while I was watching it, that a lot of it was recreated for the film and wasn't an actual home movie footage. Mm-hmm. I was amazed because it's so authentic. And you did. She's a very her.
0: talented director.
1: Yeah, her first film is one of the best feature directorial debuts of this century. Away we go with Julie Christie. Away from her. Away, away goes from-
0: the Sam Mendez. Oh yeah,
1: right, right. Yeah, <laughs> away from her. It was Julie Christie. That's a great film. Mm-hmm. I've never it's- seen it. Um, it's oh, on but, an
0: Alice Monroe story I'm seeing.
1: Right. Yes. Um, but that's one of the best directorial debuts of uh the of the century. But yeah, uh women talking is uh it's better than she said. It's not I don't think it's gonna be like I mean it's almost like crude or uh insignificant, You're like oh this is this is not gonna make my top ten, like what but I I mean it's, it's not gonna be my top ten of the year, but it's it's a really uh powerful well done movie well this
0: really- was one that seeing it with the crowd i think really you sort of felt like you went through something with people afterwards yeah. you know um in a way that you don't necessarily get with a lot of movies and you know you definitely wouldn't get if you watched it at home by yourself um so it it really felt like a like a real communal experience seeing this in a way that i think is yeah, pretty rare
1: and it's and and I think it works to see it in the theater because it's a film about a community. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And I I don't you just it's one of those ones that uh I, yeah I don't know did did you feel like you went through something with the people
1: you saw it with? That's sort of how I, I felt. I saw it the New York Film Festival, like you laughed, you cried. You know, yeah. You also like the fact that it's a rare movie. It's under an hour and forty five minutes. It's an hour and forty four minutes. Yeah, um, it's and- zipped by. Um, There's one when it ended, I was like, I can't believe. No, for
0: me, it it honestly did. I mean, it's a really heavy movie and it's difficult subject matter, but it's so brilliantly executed, um, you know, written, directed, acted that, um, it just for me, it just like yeah, I was just enthralled by it. It felt like no time passed
1: at all right um the Frances mcdormand can quite likely get another oscar nomination not because she she she's in the movie like four minutes maybe yeah. a, like <laughs> Mad land she's a producer on the film but she's sort of like the biggest name attached um
0: and i thought she was gonna be a, a more significant factor in it um before i saw yeah. it i was really surprised almost, how little that like she brad, was
1: in. brad pitt's an executive producer on the film and it's almost like she's like how brad pitt is in uh 12 years of Slave. He's like, <laughs> I, I, I produced the movie i get to have this little bit in the movie yeah it's pretty similar actually um yeah. but, but I, the difference i always felt that brad pitt ca- uh, got in 12 years of slavery like i'm the good one i'm the one good white guy in the movie you can like me and then in uh, this movie francis mcdormand she's uncompromising because she's like plays this woman that doesn't even want them to, to you know to she doesn't want them to leave yeah she's, uh harsh but uh well yeah. her
0: character's name is Scarface Jan. So yeah, her her demeanor is very much uh uh aligned with her name. Um but yes, we both definitely definitely liked uh, women talking more. Um not to say she said was bad or anything like that. I think we both um it, what do you think? It's like a seven out of ten, something like that.
1: You said I would give. Yeah, I'd I'd give I'd give she said three and a half out of five, I'd give women yeah. talking at least a four. Yeah.
0: Um recommend both i i don't necessarily think they are for everybody but um i do think if people were to commit to the movie and to sort of be on its wavelength that uh, it would be a rewarding
1: experience for pretty much anybody i mean um and like we were saying not that women talking you're gonna you know laugh but it's like no it, but it's it's just so well written it's so well performed it has moments of comedy and
0: it's, and it's, um, it's a
1: film where if you read the plot synopsis you go oh I want to see this but if you do see it you'll probably really like it though
0: yeah I think so definitely um so yeah uh maybe not the lightest of subject matter <laughs> of any episodes we've done probably some of the happiest
1: to be honest um but but... it's good to uh, both films directed by women good to go support films by women directors especially ones that are you know good you yes know. um And a lot of
0: women-focused movies this year, uh, one we're going to talk about in a future episode, the new Glass Onion, the new Knives Out movie, was far more female-focused than I anticipated. Um, So yeah, it's good to see movies directed by women. It's good to see more movies uh, with female characters at the center of them.
1: I think that women talking is uh, quite likely going to get nominated for best picture. Um, she said is kind of on the cusp. I wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't get nominated, but I think women. Talking I could see it being like one of those ones that had a lot of hype, but by the time the nomination
0: has come out, it's like
1: nothing. Um, and women talking is like coming, actually getting out in m- m- many more theaters, like right at the end of the year. So, yeah,
0: this seems like it was just sort of like the least impactful November. Um, we've had in a long time. There were a the lot of good movies that
1: came out, but they really kind of underperformed at the box office. Pretty much all of them.
0: Yeah. And now Our uh, Armageddon
1: time till triangle. Yeah. Of yeah. The menu. I um, see movies in the yeah. theater. <laughs> yeah. Well now avatar is going to come out. That's going to force people back. One uh, person said streaming found dead in a ditch. <laughs> so, so yeah, so yeah, this is,
0: this is the last episode to be recorded of the pre avatar way of the water universe Uh, our lives will all be changed this weekend um we'll probably have a podcast coming out about uh avatar and some movies that are going to be released later this year like glass onion a nice out story
1: yeah maybe we can do it uh one of the three hour plus films uh avatar and babylon (laughs) yeah yeah, so so big December. Um, I think we're
0: gonna have some more episodes coming out than uh, our nice little two month break for the fall. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back with you next time.